Welcome. This is the April edition of uh, the NICPEED APE Collaborative. So welcome all. Uh, I'm Dr. Melissa Bittner and I, oh am I, okay, sorry, I thought my, my Wi-Fi froze, but I think I'm good. I am going to go ahead and share screen and introduce our speakers today. We have, we're tentatively slated to go for an hour. And first up will be the APE practitioner interview tips. We have, um, let's see, who, we have Katrina, Dale, and Brooks who will be joining us today. And they're gonna speak about 15, 20 minutes on interview tips. And then we're gonna switch over to higher ed. Uh, APE interview tips, and actually myself and Rebecca Lytle will be covering that. Once we are done with both of those segments, we'll open it up to the audience for about 10 minutes or so for some question and answer. As always, we are live right now on NickPeed Facebook. And um, we are also recording for NickPeed YouTube and the What's New in Adapted Physical Education podcast. A big thank you, as always, to the NICP membership subcommittee. We have Daniel Musser with the Colorado AP Conference Director. We've got Andy Pitchford from Oregon State University, Heidi Ambrosius, Moreno Valley Unified School District. I'm Melissa Bittner from CSU Long Beach and Lainey Case from Chico State. All right, to begin our session today, we have Katrina, Brooke, Katrina, Brooks, and Dale from, so Katrina's from San Diego Unified School District, who is the a, one of the AP coordinators, and Brooks and Dale are from Los Angeles Unified School District, and they are AP coordinators there. So today they're going to talk about what you need to know to secure an APE position. So ladies, I'll let you take it from here. Thank you, Melissa. Hi, my name is Katrina McClanahan, and I'm one of the lead teachers for San Diego Unified. Um, we also have Los Angeles Unified. Do you want to introduce yourselves before we get started? Sure. My name is Brooks Marindon, and I work with the Adapted PE program um, in LA. Dale? I, I am Dale Munn, and I work under Brooks for Los Angeles Unified. All right, and we're going to go ahead and get started. Next slide. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking to you from the perspective of large districts with sizable staff. Uh, we are going to be speaking uh, to what professional qualities we are looking for in an individual and within the interview process. Next slide. So just to tell you a little bit about us, you know, we are in California. Uh, we are two of the largest districts in California. I'll speak mm -hmm. to San Diego Unified. Um, we are the second largest district in the state of California behind Los Angeles. We roughly have about 100,000 students and about 200 educational sites, about 14,700 students with IEPs. Our district has 39 adapted physical educators who serve approximately about 1,900 students across the district from preschool through high school. Our department does have three lead teachers to support our APE educators. Uh, we as lead teachers do carry a teaching caseload along with supporting the needs of our department and our fellow adaptive PE teachers. Um, at this time, we have a centralized system for initial assessments that come through our central adapted PE office. We have nine APE staff members who are assigned to perform those initial assessments across the district in conjunction with their teaching assignment. Uh, we found that this has given us opportunities for APE teachers to work together in strengthening assessment skills and also putting two sets of eyes on students to increase the consistency of eligibility. 
Uh, San Diego Unified also encourages and supports and fosters a collaborative and inclusive model across our district that supports uh, students in their least restrictive environment for physical education. And we have multiple partnerships uh, throughout uh, the, the district and with community partners, but one of our strongest has been Special Olympics. Thank you. And as you can see, Los Angeles Unified um, is the second largest district in the United States. Uh, we have well over um, half a million students, um, close to 95,000 with IEPs. For those students, um, we do have about 63, 6,500 who receive APE services. Um, so our APE staff um, is large. We um, also include um, under our APE program, recreation therapists. So we are um, definitely looking at accessing of the physical education um, curriculum, state mandated curriculum, as well as the educational program with the um, addition of the recreation therapists. We do use an inclusive model um, and we are working with kiddos from three to 22. Our program is the, um, uh, is the one that will hold the interviews and then send on those that we hire to um, our HR. Um, we do have many partnerships um, with Special Olympics, Angel Cities, several community, uh, Shane's Inspiration. We really try to um, foster um, the students learn and parents learning about community um, uh, opportunities so that they can transfer their skills outside of the school site. Um, we also run our own sports programs so that three-year-olds or 22-year-olds can participate in game-like situations or intramural situations. So thank you. So the general qualifications we're looking for is really um, a holistic, comprehensive um, addition to our adaptive PE program. We do look at your education and life experience. Um, please make sure you um, bring all of that information during, the, um, during our interview. Um, we look that you are able to communicate via um, electronically, uh, verbally, um, do well explaining information to different stakeholders. Of course, your kiddos, their parents, then the um, IEP team. And we do look at your professional skills. Um, we figure that everything that you've done has led you to this point. And so please um, make sure that you highlight that so that we are able to see you again as a, um, a complete product. Okay, so in... In an interview, you know, we know that it's imperative for you to showcase your content knowledge. So please keep that in mind when you are interviewing with any district. Uh, we wanna hear about your passion for teaching, what influenced you to pursue adapted physical education, and really what is your teaching philosophy? Weave that into the conversations that you have with the uh, panel that you're interviewing with. Showcase what your uh, knowledge is of your, the state PE standards and your state's APE guidelines. Let us know that you understand motor development, developmentally appropriate activities, and have a, a large, expansive knowledge of um, a variety of disabilities. Think about articulating how you would structure your classes to include skill development, uh, social development, and, and also behavior management. How do you collect data? What is your assessment knowledge and your assessment experience? Tell us all of that. Tell us about your IEP experience and how you approach the IEP team and parent involvement. Communicate with us your experience and your knowledge of curriculum development and, and goal writing. Next slide. Okay, for the interview process, um, there's three parts to our interview process. And first we have the resume. And what we expect to see on a resume is we expect to have your contact information, your education, and you don't have to include your high school um, experiences, but we do want to know your work experience, your uh, any professional development you've been a part of. 
Um, and then some specialized skills. You know, who are you? Tell us who you are in that resume. And then the interview process um, will be conducted by, for LA, it will be conducted by the APE leadership team. Um, we do not, um, our, our employees do not, or our interviewees do not go through HR. We do the uh, interview firsthand. And to prepare for our interviews, practice, practice answering questions um, beforehand, uh, study the job description, and then learn, learn about our district, learn about the different areas. We're a huge district. Try to learn as much as you can coming into this district. And when you're in our interview, please do not fake it. Be as real as you can. Um, we can typically see through people. So we really want you just to be real. Tell us why, why you're in here for APE. You know, just tell us who you are personally uh, for your interview. We're really looking for people who have a passion to teach APE. Um, and if, if you have a passion, then I think you could do this job. Then for the portfolio, um, you can bring your university portfolio to the interview. Um, and things that you would put into that uh, portfolio would be assessment reports, some IEPs. If you've written IEPs, if you've written reports, that would be great. Any lesson plans or unit plans that you've come up with that you have um, that you're proud of, bring those. Um, and then teaching um, practices. If there's anything unique that you've done in the past, let us know. Show us. Um, and then references and letters of recommendation. Um, we we need, do need to see those. And then anything um, relevant with social media profiles. You know, there's a lot of different profiles out there. Um, share them with us if they're relevant. And when, then, oh, go on. ahead. No, come on, Dale. Okay, when you're interview, um, when you're in the interview process, prepare to answer um, things such as standard-based questions or standard-based instruction, um, critical concepts. Okay, what um, support for student learning? How are think about how you're going to be able to support students during their learning process for APE. Okay, behavior management strategies. We all know that um, behavior issues have um, skyrocketed um, since COVID and kids are having uh, different issues. So think about some of those issues that people might be having and how would you, how would you manage it? What strategies would you use? Uh, task analysis and skill progression. Okay, we're gonna ask you about um, a skill and how to teach it. So you need to be able to um, task analyze that skill and tell us about it. Um, IEP experience. Hopefully you're coming in with some IEP experience, but it's not something we, um, we know that some of you may not have it and, and that's, that's fine. It's something you can learn on the job. Um, experience or knowledge about some, some disabilities. You need to know about the disabilities that are out there. Um, have some sort of knowledge of what is going to be taught. Um, assessment tools. You need to have some assessment tools under your belt. Uh, we use a variety. We use many. And in LAUSD, we can provide you with um, most assessment tools. Like Brooke said before, you need to be able to use technology. You need to be able to collect data. Uh, that is very helpful. Uh, full inclusion, you know, how do you fully include your students into um, classes with their gen ed peers? That's a really big um, idea that we've tried to put forth in our district. We've lost a little bit through COVID, but we're going back to it immediately. We want to see those kids participating with their non-disabled peers. And then how are you working with others? Um, you have many people that you're going to be working with in a school site. You have um, the paraprofessionals, you have the teachers, you have the custodians, you have the admin. There's so many people that you need to be able to collaborate with. Um, and then come in kind of talking about a sample lesson. We may ask you, um, tell us about a lesson you've taught and be very, um, very clear, very specific. Okay, um, also in the interview process, tell us, we, and we ask this, tell us something about yourself that we didn't cover. What is special about you? Um, tell us what you would, what you'd like to do on the weekends. What kind of, what kind of um, fun do you have? Portfolio, remember a portfolio should show your work from your, um, your school, your um, APE classes, okay? Show us what you're doing, what you did in school. 
benefits and pay scale. Um, we are hopefully our teachers are now getting a raise. We're hoping uh, HR. Um, if you have any questions about the pay scale, we cannot answer that question. It would be HR to answer any questions. Um, make sure you are in the process of clearing your preliminary credential, including the induction program, which we do offer here in LA. Uh, so we have that covered for you free of cost. Brooks, did I miss anything of importance? Equipment, we provide a large amount of equipment. We have four sheds looking at number five spread out throughout the district. For us, um, good APE teachers are um, have everything they need. They're happy, happy APE teachers are good APE teachers. Therefore, we always want them to have the equipment they need. I agree, Dale. I agree, Dale. Uh, I, I'd also like to add that um, during this this time of the inter interview process, you know, this is your time. This is your opportunity to share anything that was not covered in the formal interview process. And in um, in our district, and many districts are going to do this differently. You know, we do have have to have the applicant go through HR, and then uh, we work with HR. But we always ask the applicants to. Um, do their homework about the district, research the district, and if if you find uh, the adapted physical education or, or special ed director's uh, name at the districts, reach out to them and let them know that you're highly interested in being a team member with that district. Um, it's at that time when you are asking your questions or you are sharing anything that wasn't covered, this is really your time to share what sets you apart from the other candidates. You know, make that lasting impression on the panel at that time. And, you know, definitely ask about the benefits, the PD opportunities, you know, what kind of support will you receive from the department? Um, induction is, is a big one. Our district does offer uh, induction at no cost uh, to clear your preliminary credential. And again, just like Dale said, facilities, equipment, any itinerant teacher questions that you may have, and also potentially ask about what's the district philosophy on the value of physical education and inclusion. You know, that could be an important question, you know, that the district probably should answer you at that time, um, because that's extremely important. That's all I have to add. Anything else before the next slide? Okay. So, Basically, in, in summary, the three P's, be prepared, be professional, and share a portfolio if you have one. Be prepared, study that job description and learn about the district that you're going to be interviewing with. Really, really important. Be professional. First impressions are really important in any sort of uh, setting, whether you're doing a Zoom uh, interview or whether you're doing an in-person interview. Portfolio, if you have work to share, show me, don't tell me. Let your work speak for yourself. If you can share that in electronically or physically, that's fine too. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate the, uh, the time, Melissa, for including us. Thanks again for, for joining us. I, I will say that I know you all have presented on this at the National APE Conference a few different years previously, so much appreciated. And um, yeah, so they also, this group also comes and at Long Beach State, Barry LaVey has established this many years ago, but they usually come in the spring and give a, a version of this presentation to our APE students at Long Beach State. So much appreciated for sharing with all. Next up, I get to actually sit on the the other side of this. This is my first time, I think, uh, co-presenting here, uh, and I'm being I am joined by Rebecca Lytle, who is a professor at CSU Chico, and we're going to talk now about higher education interview tips. So I counted it up, and I think I've actually been part of a committee five different times, and I've chaired specifically an APE committee. 
So, and, and I know Rebecca has much more experience than I do. So Rebecca, you wanna share uh, at Chico and other places, your experiences serving on a higher ed chair search. I start in on anything. I really wanna thank Brooks, Dale and Katrina. That was a phenomenal presentation. And I think um, a lot of what they shared applies across the board for interviewing. And it was really helpful to hear the kinds of things they shared because I think the higher ed folks can absolutely take that to the students that we train. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I think huge kudos to the three of you for the work you do. Um, so as a faculty member at Chico State, I've been there for um, over 20 years and I've had the opportunity to serve on many committees, uh, hiring committees for adaptive PE and also for other positions in biomechanics or exercise physiology. So um, I'm happy to share with you my thoughts and knowledge, both from a, a faculty member position and from a chair position. And also I, I did serve as a Dean back East for a short period of time. We didn't do any searches, but I had certainly have had plenty of opportunity to deal with personnel issues um, as a chair and both as a Dean and those relate exactly to hiring. So uh, let's carry on with this, um, where we are in our slides, and we'll tell you more about hiring in higher ed. So first of all, um, as a new candidate coming out of a PhD program, it's important to think about what type of a position you want to apply for. Most of you are training at Research One institutions for your PhD. Um, and so what kind of a of a job you want when you leave? Do you wanna stay uh, with a lot of research or do you want to go to more of a teaching institution? Those are really important decisions to make uh, because if you go to a research one institution and you're really all about teaching, you may very well struggle with the tenure process if your focus is not on research and vice versa. If you really have passion for research and that's your primary focus and you go to a teaching institution, uh, you may struggle with the teaching piece. So do think about where your passions lie. And clearly in every job, you have to be able to do both regardless. But there are some positions that really are solely research or solely teaching. So consider that carefully. Um, the other thing to consider is who are the collaborators? I think it's important to look at the campus where you're going and think about are if you're applying for an adaptive position or adapting combined with pedagogy or motor development or whatever combination, who are the other faculty in those areas on that campus? And will they be good mentors for you or do they want to collaborate with new faculty? So that's another um, thought to consider. And then salaries. I know that, you know, Melissa and I are both in California and a lot of times we hear, I'm sure she's heard and I've heard, candidates say, oh, California's way too expensive, or, you know, I'm looking at the real estate and I don't want to apply out there because the cost of living is so high. I do think you have to balance the position with the costs. And um, we've never had anybody who've, who's come to our campus as a new faculty member uh, that wanted to stay, not be able to stay and be successful and, you know, buy a home and, and, be successful living in California. And I think Melissa could probably attest to Southern California as well. The nature of the positions, often the, the salaries will be a little bit commiserate with where the job is. For example, the starting position where Melissa is might be higher than the starting position in Chico because she's right in the middle of LA and we're in urban Northern California. So those can make a difference. Okay, next slide. Real quick as well, where to find open positions. So oh yeah, looking, thanks Melissa. <laughs> take a look at higheredjobs.com, which is the Chronicle of Higher Education. That's a great resource. Another is the American, Kinesi, uh, American Kinesiology Association. So those are a couple of good sources as to who posts jobs that you can just be in the know of where are current openings for this academic year? Thank you, Melissa. 
All right, so next up, application materials. And this is going to vary university by university. So this is a bit of a template, but a few examples just so you are aware. Most universities are probably gonna ask for some type of uh, curriculum vita, a CV, uh, and a letter of interest. Um, in addition, some other things they might expect out of you and request are a statement on your teaching philosophy or a diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, DEIA statement. So again, depends on where you're applying um, and what their, their committee is asking for. So with these, one thing I, I know, you know recommend is that your committee who's looking at these materials are looking for samples of your writing. So, and that's another thing I guess they might ask. They might ask for, I should add that to that list. They might ask for a recent article that you've published. So with these statements, they're gonna edit and look for grammar. They're going to look at your writing style, certainly your background and experiences. Would you fit in well at this university? Uh, a few little pro tips. I know this is something I look back and regretted a little bit is I think in my letter of interest about five different times I name dropped the school I was applying for, but also realized you might be applying to a dozen different schools and that means five different times you have to change the name of the school, the university that you're applying to. I guarantee I probably forgot to update one of the school names and that does not look good to a committee if you have the wrong university. Um, in that letter of interest. Uh, so with that, the applications are going to be screened then by a committee, typically three members of the department, at least for us, it would be two members of physical education, teacher education, and then um, um, the third member would be someone else within the kinesiology department. Maybe it's an exercise science member or an athletic training member, but again, that's gonna vary school to school. And what that committee is going to look for is your ability to teach, conduct research, and provide service to the university. You know, will you be able to get tenure at the university? From there, typically, again, it varies, but seven to 10 applicants are going to be screened and selected for that phone interview. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, helpful information. And I can say something about that. The paperwork that you send is the first thing they're gonna see from you. And so just as Melissa said about the importance of what you, what you put in your letter and making sure there's no grammatical errors, the same thing, make sure your Vita looks nice. Um, I, I've, I've seen Vitas from people that just didn't look very nice. And it does set an impression, even if the content is good, you want to make sure that you're really putting a good presentation forward. Make sure your paperwork is dressed for success as well. So here's the part. Oh my gosh, you got the phone interview. So what do you need to do? Uh, it's kind of like Tinder. You've been communicating with somebody and uh, you finally, you know, found somebody who wants to talk with you. And so I'm impressed, you know, Tinder. Look at you, Rebecca. <laughs> but now, you know, you you've got you're going to have like an actual voice to voice call with this person. So you need to know something about the university and the location. Um, there's nothing worse than interviewing somebody and they think you're in an urban area and you're in a rural area or and it, you just you they say something that's clear they have no clue about the program or the place where they're interviewing so make sure you know something about the university the location the programs they offer review their websites take a look at the faculty how many faculty are on their in their department and what areas do they teach in um, have your Vita and philosophy and any other cheat sheets you want to have ready and at, in front of you. When you're doing a phone interview, they can't see what you're looking at. You can pull things. You know, a lot of times students are like, oh, I, I'm not going to remember what's, what I put on my Vita because there's so many different things. And have it sitting in front of you. Even if you're in a face-to-face -face interview for our students, we tell them you can have that with you. So use what you need to help you be successful on your phone interview. Um, look at the articles published by the faculty, 
before the interview. And if there are particular areas that you're interested, you might ask them about those at the end of the interview or comment on them to show that you're, you're paying attention and you're interested in who they are and what they do. Uh, think about what you're looking for in a job too. And we mentioned this earlier, more research, less teaching, more teaching, less research, whichever. And then you might also ask about if your focus is adapted, uh, are there service learning opportunities? Do, you do they have disability programs on site? If not, are they open to um, those being developed? And then you might also look at um, faculty to collaborate with, with, which we talked about briefly in the other slide, whether that's in, in the department they, that you would be working in or in departments across campus. For example, I do a lot of work with the speech pathology program because we have a strong speech path program. Um, if we had a PT program, we might also be collaborating with them. Uh, special ed could be a good collaborative fit for someone with adapted. Uh, if your, you know, if your secondary area is exercise science, maybe you're working with the PT programs or other kinds of things. So there are a lot of opportunities for sort of cross-pollinization. Great, thanks Rebecca, very good tips. So next up, the phone interview. Typically now, post-pandemic era, uh, the phone interview will be conducted on Zoom with your screen off. Also, typically it's going to be about 45 minutes. The committee chair at the start of the meeting is going to tell the candidate the number of questions and how long the interview will you know, approximately last. So you, the chair might say like we have eight questions and we have about 45 minutes. So that's really gonna help you because you need to pace yourself and not elaborate really, really long on some questions, knowing that you've got eight questions to get through. But it also means don't blitz like a rabbit through all your questions if there are only eight questions and you know, you've only been going for five minutes and you find yourself on question five. That means you need to elaborate a lot more. So try to keep that pacing in mind. That's really important that you um, pace the interview. Here are a few example questions. Uh, again, specific to no university, just some example questions that might be asked. You're quite possibly going to be asked to summarize your academic background, what training you believe uniquely qualifies you for this particular APE position. Certainly, probably going to be asked what experiences you have working with um, racially, ethnically diverse populations. Uh, they're going to want you to share about your primary area of research interests. They're probably going to ask you something uh, with describing your teaching experience in adapted PE uh, at, as a practitioner and or experience at the higher ed level. Maybe you're a graduate or a teaching associate or sorry, a teaching assistant. And um, most likely at the very end, the last question is going to be, do you have any questions you would uh, like to share with the committee? Please, please always be prepared for this and have two to three questions. Now, we're going to share a few examples of some, at least what we think are some, some good questions to ask. You don't want to just like rattle off anything. Really think about some questions you might want to share here. So it might be, do you have any mentorship? for new faculty. Another solid question in this area might be, do you have any lab or research support? Or what internal grants does the university have? This is a great time if they haven't shared already. Well, what's the teaching load? You know, is it a 3-3, you know, a 4-4? What's the teaching load like at that university? Um, maybe what weighting is included for the RTP process? You know, what percent are you providing teaching? What per percent are you providing research? And what per percent are you providing service? And then, and I think Rebecca mentioned this previously about service learning or practicums. Do they have any at the campus that are already established or are they open uh, to establishing new practicums? And from this phone interview, typically the top three applicants will be selected for a face-to-face on-campus interview. 
Okay, back to the Tinder dating. So the phone call went great and you're actually gonna have a face-to-face -face meeting. And why do I use Tinder? Why do I say that? It's certainly, it's, a, it's an app that's used frequently right now by young people, but Tinder is a dating app, right? And it's about finding a good match and interviewing for a campus is absolutely about finding a good match. And that means from both sides not just the faculty picking you, but you picking the, the uh, university that you wanna work with. And so think about that on-campus interview as a giant dating experience and trying to determine if this is gonna be a good match for both parties. So typically that face-to-face -face interview when you come to the campus is one to two days and you're gonna fly or drive and they will usually reimburse you, usually they always reimburse you <laughs> for your expenses to come, to fly out and if you need to stay in a hotel. Um, so uh, be sure to dress for success. That's the first thing. You're applying for a professional position, you should be wearing professional clothes, a suit or you know, some dress, whatever, but, but professional clothing because of the nature of the job. And then that two days really has three major components. It'll, you'll have a host of meetings, you will do a teaching presentation, and you will do a research presentation. And all three parts are critical for a successful outcome. So those, let's just start with the meetings. You're gonna meet a host of people, all the stakeholders who you're gonna get, engage with if you were to be hired. So you're gonna meet the Dean, the department chair, the committee, the hiring committee will probably do their face-to-face -face interview with you. Um, you'll likely have lunch with the department or other um, uh, committee members. And then you, will, you might meet the diversity officer on campus or the grants office. You may have an opportunity to meet with students. Um, I know at Chico, we always set up a time for them to have uh, lunch with grad students so they can actually talk to our students and get a different perspective than just the faculty. So those meetings are all really important and they are part of really figuring out who you are as a person. How do you communicate? Do you have good interpersonal skills? Can you collaborate with people? So those soft skills come out a lot in those general meetings. And then your teaching presentation. So you will be asked to teach a university class and um, you should ask how many students are in the class and what is the classroom set up like, whether it's in a gym or a classroom, what kinds of technology, if you need to be using PowerPoint or not, or other technology. Um, and then depending on the nature of that, you should dress appropriately. If they ask you to teach a pedagogy class and it is activity-based, you should bring clothes for that so that you can move around the room easily. You know, you don't want to be in a professional tight skirt where you can't like run around the gym to move around to students as you're teaching. So be sure you're prepared appropriately. Um, oftentimes the teaching presentation, it might be in the gym, it might be in a classroom where it's more lecture format, but whatever you do, that teaching presentation needs to be highly engaging. Universities are looking for people that aren't gonna just stand up there and lecture. You need to do more than that. You need to present quality material. You need to apply the material. You need to do activities with the students of some kind to make sure that that learning is um, embedded for them and not just something that's passing across their visual and auditory input. So effective teaching is far more than just standing up there and presenting something. So think about that as you plan for your teaching presentation. And then the last piece is the research presentation. And this is a formal presentation where you're gonna stand up and present most likely slides. Mm -hmm. Certainly if you can make it engaging, that's great. Um, but uh, I just lost the slide to my screen here, hang on. Um, but, um, you need to be thinking about uh, one to two studies that you maybe have done. You're gonna want to present your dissertation research if you're finishing that up. 
If you are in the middle of it, it's okay to do a little more time on the literature review and the methodologies and how you're collecting your data and certainly sharing where you are in that process because the committee really wants to know that you're gonna be finishing up. I think one of the first questions that our committee always asks if somebody is presenting their dissertation research is, where are you in the process? Have you finished collecting your data? And when do you expect to finish? And when do you expect to defend? Because they don't wanna hire people that are ABD typically, um, unless they're like so close. So um, those are things to consider in the research presentation. And make sure you know your research really well. If you're presenting some um, preliminary research leading up to yours, make sure you know those studies really well and you can respond to questions. Because after the research presentation, they will open it up for questions and faculty will, you know, will try to ask you a few questions about what you have shared and um, where your research is going and perhaps where you plan to go next after this. Yeah, great point. And with that research presentation, it's a great way to connect with faculty who are at that university and, oh, you know, maybe we could collaborate. Um, and also a really great opportunity to showcase, I can bring in grants and here's why, or here's some places that I might target in the future for monies to support my research. Yeah, great additions. Absolutely. All right. Uh, some final tips and advice give specific answers, be memorable. And this is very similar to what Dale, Katrina and Brooks mentioned, the whole show me, don't tell me. Same, same deal here, like be memorable, um, give very specific answers. So that way you, because they're gonna interview three different individuals and you need to make sure that what you say sticks with someone for, you know, several weeks until that committee finally gets together again to reflect on that. Have fun in the process. You know, you're going out to dinner, you're gonna be wined and dine. Yeah, you're gonna be nervous, but you know, connect and, and enjoy and try to, um, you know, really interact with those students and share who you are as a person and as an individual, as a professional and what motivates you. Uh, same with, with your research. You want to get people leaving your research like excited about, wow, they're doing amazing things. We need that person here at our university because they're a mover and a shaker. Um, and this is a great point. I think Rebecca mentioned this already too. You are interviewing them just as much as they are interviewing you. This could potentially be a 25, 30 year career decision. And so you need to make sure it's the right place for you for your family, for you know, your future research as a professional. So is this a place that could be home? So make sure that you are keeping your eye out for that and not being so you know, caught up on checking all the boxes. You need to make sure you take it in and you see what's going on and what's happening at that university. And is it a good fit for you? So uh, I want to add one piece to that, and that is, you know, we in the interview, there are those three comp components that we talked about um, in terms of research, teaching, and the meetings. But the other thing that's critical in higher ed jobs is there's a whole host of things that go on that aren't teaching or research. There are tons of committees, and there are a lot, there is lots of work that needs to be done that is outside of those two areas. And it is hugely important that departments hire people that are helpful and that are willing to participate and assist with committees. And, you know, I know all of you have been on teams in school where you have a group of four or five and two or three people do nothing. They barely even show up to the meetings. Universities have the same problems. We sometimes have faculty members who don't contribute and they don't volunteer to serve on committees or they're on committees and you know they don't always show up or they don't provide much um, in terms of contributing. So it is really important that you think about how you can contribute to that department beyond just teaching and research. They want team players, you know, departments really are a team of people. Even though we have our own classrooms and our own things, we are part of a larger team. And for, for a department to be successful, 
the team needs to function as a team. So keep that in mind as well. Great, Great point, Rebecca. We call it, do they play well in the sandbox with others? Absolutely. That is absolutely it. And uh, faculty that don't play well in the sandbox are can be a real challenge. So um, make sure that you can play in the sandbox. Uh, so lastly, you know, waiting can be really hard and it's important to understand that it takes a long time. So if they're bringing three faculty members to campus, they might be doing one per week. And if you were the first candidate interviewed, it might be at least four weeks until you hear something. And even once it's determined, let's say that, um, you know, you have the three candidates and you say, yeah, we often you don't get to just say, we pick this one. You have to rank them for the higher ups to approve. And so the chair has to prove it, the dean has to prove it. And really you're saying, is this person acceptable or is this person not acceptable? And so you might have all three of them are acceptable and you might express your interest in a particular person. But let's say then that person gets offered the position and they take a job somewhere else. Well, then they're gonna look at the next candidate. So all of that process takes time. So in theory, if you were the third acceptable candidate and they offered it, you know, it took three weeks for them to get through and then, you know, they gave a person a week to decide and then the next, they don't take it. And then the next person has a week to decide. It could take well over a month for you to hear um, about a particular job interview. So it is important to be patient. And there are a lot of factors that play into the timeline. Um, and again, it's not just the committee. So once you get to the hiring piece, it has to go and get approvals all the way up to, through the dean level. And so um, please be patient and realize that just because you haven't heard doesn't mean that you're not in the running. Um, if it's been two months, you know, you might email the chair and say, just following up and wondering if you have a timeline or if you get offers for other jobs and you're interested in this one more than another, it's fine to ask and, and ask the chair if they have a timeline on when they're gonna be making any decisions. And if they can tell you, they'll often share something with you. So the last piece here, um, Oh, and also, you know, if you are the top candidate, you likely get a phone call saying, you know, we want to, you know, offer you a position, whatever, and it will come from uh, likely the chair. So, so answer calls that are, you know, you don't know the number yeah. unlisted. If yeah. Doing a search because it could potentially be the dean or department chair. <laughs> yeah. Good tip, Melissa. Very good tip. Um, but I'm sure they would leave you a message to call back. But yeah, good idea to you know, answer your calls during that interview time period. And then the last piece is negotiating. Usually you can look online and find out what the salary schedule is. And depending on what kind of experience you come in with, you may be able to negotiate. If you've already taught in higher ed for a number of years, you may be able to negotiate years of service towards when you apply for tenure. Um, that has pros and cons because let's say you get two years of service, but now you only have three years to get additional publications out. So you have to think carefully about some of those, you know, negotiating decisions. Um, you also should look at the salary schedule. And uh, if you have no experience, it may just be the starting salary schedule for uh, assistant professor. But if you can negotiate at all, um, you should, because I know in California, at least where I am, and I think the CSUs are all doing the same thing right now, you get hired as an assistant professor, and then you have seven years to get tenure, and you may not get another raise unless there's just an across the board raise until you uh, go up for tenure and promotion. So we have done better in the last few years of getting this sort of like um, cost of living increase raises. Uh, in California, but it, you might want to look at that. Are there step increases where you're working or are you only getting raises upon um, promotion to the next level or is it merit-based? Some universities do merit-based increases. So those are all good questions to ask. And then um, also 
uh, do they provide moving expenses and is there any extra startup money for your research or for um, you know professional development whatever often there's a little bit that new faculty will get and they can kind of use it how they want um, and lastly benefits and pension information. So depending on the campus, if they're unionized, they may have a pension plan. So you get a pension when you retire. Most campuses probably have more like a 401k, so a retirement plan where you pay in and then the campus pays in a portion. So those are other things you might be thinking about in terms of the long-term, if you're gonna be at a university for the next 30 years, how are you planning for your retirement? All right. And finally, if you are not selected, don't take it personal. There's so many factors that go into a search, you know, committee decision, dean decision, department chair decision, you know, the, the research presentation, the presentation to the students, um, playing well in the sandbox with others. There's so many different things. Uh, so don't take it personal. Just sometimes things, you know, get political with regards to what that department is looking for at that particular time. So just do your best to try to knock it out of the park. So, you know, you're that home run hitter, but if not, it, don't take it personal, apply, you know, say, thank you next, move on to the next one. Be like Ariana Grande <laughs> on to the next position because maybe it was, you know, that wasn't for you, but find the one that is for you. All right, we did it. So at this time, Let's open it up for some questions, either higher ed or uh, for practitioners. Hi, I'm currently like studying physical education in college right now, and I have a concentration in adapted PE. And I was curious, how much do you guys like look at like a concentration versus like a master's in adapted PE? So I'm like interested in health for the master's, so I get the all-around education. Rachel, where do you live? Uh, New York. Okay, so the requirements for teaching adaptive PE are different depending on what state you live in. So if you have a concentration in adaptive PE in New York, I think you're okay, but I would check with any of the SUNYs and ask them about the requirements for adaptive PE. If you have a teaching credential in PE, um, and you have a concentration in adapted, I think that may meet the requirements for New York, but anybody here on the committee know the answer to that? Check with your state. Um, uh, I know if you contacted any of the adapted folks in higher ed there, they could tell you the answer to that question. And if that's the case, then you may very well wanna do your master's in uh, health. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, and there's from Brad. Do you yeah, see in the, the Yeah, in the chat, Brad Wiener is he's in Virginia, which is nearby. Oh, oh he's trying to recruit you. A position <laughs> in AP at Fairfax County. Love it. Out of way, Brad. <laughs> Any other que questions? Y'all letting us off easy? Yeah. All right, then. No other questions. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you all for joining us. Dale, Brooks, Katrina, Rebecca. Very nicely done all. Much appreciated. The Nick Peed AP Collaborative will be back in May, and we're planning to have the APE Teacher of the Year on uh, as a panel to talk about their favorite APE teaching tips. So keep posted and we will uh, let you know the date and time upcoming. So thanks all, till next time.